rejected and alone like a rose trampled on the ground you took the
got to be personal. Amen. And I'm so thankful he made it personal to me. I don't know what kind of experience you got. I can't, you know, I can't take from you. I can't give to you. But what he has made is eternal, and it won't change. That Sunday school lesson, I just want to surrender all. You know, I, I like how he brought out, sometimes it's mainly it's looking at you and the little complexes and things as well. I'm okay today. I'm okay tomorrow. But um, lately I'm looking at myself, how I respond, how I look at things, how I... Is it me or is it Christ? And a lot of times Christ will make you humble. Humble. Amen. The little ones are coming in, so I'm going to wait a minute. Let them come in and sit down. Thankful to God. Brother Roan is not feeling well. That's why he has not been here for several services. So I want to remember him this morning. He's still got a cough. It's ever since youth camp, he hasn't actually, I think he was here once. So we want to remember him this morning. Brother Joe is busy transporting his granddaughter. We want to remember him this morning also. If you have a request upon your heart, I just want to say, um, I, uh, my son is just doing fantastic. Oh my, I'm, it's like night and day. Three months ago to today, unbelievable. Amen, amen. I'm very thankful. So we can all take courage of that. I know we all go through hard times with, and we wonder if and when and how long is it going to take. But God is on the scene. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I know as a parent, each one of us has children on our hearts and on our minds, loved ones, brothers, sisters. And Lord, we just take confidence and faith this morning. Though we may not see what you're doing, we know that you are still on the scene and you have a purpose. We commit ourselves to your purpose this morning. You said, forsake not the assembling together so much more as you see that day approaching, Father. We take comfort in the fact that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst, Father. I love you, Lord. I know so many things in life I don't understand. I just raise both of my hands. I pray you help me, Lord. Help each and every one of us here, Father. Lord, if we understood, where would our faith come from? But we just put our hand in yours. Believing and knowing as you lead us. Bless the people that are streaming, Lord. We love you, Father. We see the chaos out there, and we see the joy and peace in you. Ask that you bless the tithes and offerings. Bless those that are gathered here, those that are streaming. And Lord, I just pray you bless our song leader and the song service. Such a wonderful time. And Lord, most of all, the greatest form of worship the ministering of your word. Magnify it to our souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I noticed back there, Brother Brad's family is there. Amen. God bless you. Remember the Yon's family. Amen. We'll have to have you give us a song today. Amen. And also, Brother Charles Garvin and his family. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Is there any other visitors? Brother Millage right there. Amen. God bless you. 
may want to take a few moments to say greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. I feel like singing a little bit of every praise is to our God. How many believe that? Amen. All of our praising, amen, is to the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good hand. Amen. Good, happy hand in the Lord. Amen. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord. Every
seated. Amen. Sister Sarah, if you come, amen, give us a song this morning. Let's give her a hand. Amen. Sister, sister, sister.
nothing but good. Amen. Amen. She got me wanting to sing an old song too. I wanted to sing a little bit. I woke up this morning with my mind. Won't you stand and sing with me a little bit, amen? Woke up this morning with my mind, y'all. Stay on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on the Lord. Well, I woke up, woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Trembles at his voice. 
hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The bride Christ our one Father, Spirit and Son The Lion and the Lamb Lion and
my age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> Glad to have my family as part of my daughter, Annette, and her husband, Charles, and family, and my sweetheart, Lois, is with me. She is the straw that stirs my drinks. <laughs> I'm in love with Jesus, though. <laughs> I've never been so in love with him in my life as I am now. Oh, he is my everything. Wake up in the morning and realize that very soon I will step back into eternity where I came from. And I'm longing for home, but soon there will be another spring. I was going to do another song, but they... You want to hear this one, so I want to sing what you want to hear. In the spring of my life, everything was blue, pure and white. I run and play through fields of green. Listening to the robin sing. Then came the summer of my life. Lazy days and starry nights. Thought those days would never end. And I felt that cool. September wind. Now I've reached autumn. Nights are getting cold. Trees are turning red and gold. It's hard for me to realize that I'm getting. Seem like only yesterday My hair wasn't gray But I'm not gonna worry about these things There's gonna be another There'll be another spring I'll be young again Cause I believe the truth I'll have each eternal There'll be
Bush. Amen. Let's sing a little bit of this. It's my desire. How many is ready for the word? Amen. Let us stand. see all your smiling faces out today. Praise God. You love the Lord? My, it's good to be here. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know we've already been having wonderful atmosphere. I could feel it all, all the way in the back. Brother Ken, you're back in one piece. Praise the Lord. Good to have you back. Been hoping you had a good time. Trusting the Lord for that. 
Amen. We've had a wonderful time today already. Amen. You had the angel Gabriel for your Sunday school teacher. And <laughs> Amen. I couldn't help but think of, I'd just been this morning on my um, Bible study that I was teaching on online <clears throat> and we read James 4 and 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And that's, that's a three-piece that, that'll put the devil out every time. Amen. Now, you can't jump to the end and say, oh, oh what, what, what do I want, Brother Jason? Well, you'd like to have the devil fleeing from you. Yes, that's right. That's what I want. How do I get that? Well, you resist him. Wonderful. Is that it? No. Before you can resist him effectively, you first have to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Amen. No one ever as... Uh, and no one ever, as um, Brother Bosworth would always say, no one ever successfully resisted the devil without first submitting themselves to God. Amen. Jesus had taught that in Luke. James, James knew that. That's where he got that. Jesus had taught them there in the Gospels that if anyone would come, uh, he would have to first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. See? So that's, that's the prerequisite. You'll never successfully resist him. And he'll never flee unless you resist him. And you'll never successfully resist him until you first are willing to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, Jesus said. Daily. Not just Sundays and Wednesdays. Daily. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Happy to have you all here. Brother Lenny, wave at me, man. I heard you singing. Oh, there he stands right there. Happy to have him here today. Amen. I, th I thought it was a travesty. We only got one song, so you might have to stay till next week and, amen, give us a little mini concert. Amen. I haven't, haven't heard a lineal concert in a while. Amen. And that song today, amen, brought back a lot of memories. Amen. Grew up listening to Brother Lenial sing. I've appreciated him my whole young life to now, and I'm not young anymore, Brother Lenial. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We're happy to have all the ones visiting here with us today. God bless you. We greet you in the name of the Lord. Happy to have you. Just want you to relax in the camp. We're all believers. Amen. God bless you again, my brother. Good to see you again here. Amen. We have um, uh, Brother Jack's testimony coming up after, after uh, in the afternoon at 4 o'clock. I hope everybody, as many as can, uh, can be here for that. Amen. It's not a church service. Don't, it's not like a second service. In fact, is Brother Jack's on a tight leash, 60 minutes. Amen. And we're going we're gonna <laughs> to open the trap door and drop him. <laughs> but I told him, I said, Jack, I know you got a lot to say, but I held, even I held Sister Mom to 60 minutes. Amen. That's why she needed three part. It's going to need a third part. Amen. So you might need a second part, Brother Jack. You never know. Of course, Sister Jean's 82. She was, you know, a 21-year-old woman in the meetings of Brother Branham, so she had a lot to tell, and uh, we're looking forward to her third part. She told me she's working on it. <clears throat> Amen. So we, you know, it, it, I, I, I was wondering, you know, we might have a whole series of that. You know, saints come through here, and let's, let's have a, a testimony time. You know why I do that, and I especially appeal to the young people and to you parents of senior youth? Have them here, because I want them to see that this is more than just some doctrine, some movement. God is not just what he has done, but is moving now. Amen. And so uh, that, that, if Brother Jack doesn't run out of time, he'll get to not only what God has done for him, brought him to this truth, but what God is doing recently. It's pretty spectacular and thrilling. So if you like a thrill ride, amen, you come back in here at four and buckle up. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
God bless you. Let's turn to Matthew's gospel in chapter three this morning. And I don't think I have um, any other announcements. I am going to offer prayer. We've got a number, uh, brother um, and sister Paris, brother Bruce and sister Linda up in Delaware uh, fighting through uh, COVID infection. I think I sent that out yesterday. My own sister, uh, Lisa in Washington state running through her third go-round of it. And so we want to pray, amen, for Brother uh, Bruce and Sister Linda of Delaware and Sister Lisa over in Washington State, <clears throat> who are no doubt uh, listening in today. All right, Matthew chapter 3, and uh, trusting the Lord, amen. Yes, amen, praise the Lord. Um, want to catch from chapter three, verse, the first six verses. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you today and I, I will not get done. And it's just a, a burden that's been on my heart for a long time. And I'm, I can't believe how I'm struggling to, to put it together. I know what I want to say. And there, but there's so much to say, and I want to, but how to say it and how to bring it, and I want to put, make some graphs and put them up on the screen, and it'll be really some intense teaching. But today we're going to try to at least, I'm just going to do it by faith. Amen. Sometimes you do things by faith. Amen. And you just have to trust the Lord for the rest of it. You know, if he says, you know, go, there's a solid wall, go run through it. I'm just going to take off. And I'm going to believe time I get there, there'll be a door. <laughs> Amen. And it'll, it'll open up in front of me. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if it doesn't, he'll give me the ability to jump over it. So, amen. Praise the Lord. But I want to hopefully start today in on modern events of 2022 made clear in prophecy. You've heard me say before that I believe, and Brother Branham preached that in the 60s, that is a, 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 a sermon title that has to be preached regularly to keep you apprised, to keep you up to speed. You say, why do I need to, why do I need to stay up to speed? Because you need to see the movements that the Lord is doing. You need, you can't afford, this is, a, this is not an hour. You can be asleep at the switch. You need, you must see him. That was the, that was the very first word when the, when the fourth seal for our age opened, come and see. First seal, second seal, third seal, fourth seal. And we find that all the way from the lion and the ox and the man and the flying eagle. How many eagles are in here today? So the, 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 the whole message is come out of her, but not come out and just go into limbo. Come out of and go into. Come and see. Amen. So we, we must see his movements clearly. We must see his movements clearly. I say that to the Lord often in prayer. Lord, we must see your movements. So keep our, our, our vision sharp, our spiritual sensitivities sharp. Amen. You have to deny a lot of the world to do that, friends. You'll never get there. You'll never stay spiritually victory. You'll never exercise the power you're entitled to if you don't keep yourself uh, free from the world. Amen. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow the Lord daily. Every, there's never been, I've read all through, I've spent a lifetime reading commentaries of those man-age uh, saints, such brilliant, beautiful-minded brothers and sisters said things so wonderful and then take that and put an eagle anointing on it and it just amplifies it into the stratosphere. Amen. We've been beneficiaries of that many times. 
Amen. I got some stuff I want to read today, uh, or at least refer to if I don't read it verbatim. And some of it I may uh, read verbatim. But just, uh, you know, from these great warriors of the faith. And, uh, you know, they all had, and everywhere that I read, and I read a lot, and I read them all. I've read their personal memoirs and what everybody said about them all the way back. Brother Branham did the same thing. And I can tell you they had a common theme, and I find it said, repeated in all of them, that if you want to have power with God, you've got to live a separated life. You've got to be willing to submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, and then you'll have power with God. How many want power with God? Not power for the sake of power, but I want to be an overcomer. I want to be an overcomer. I want to live victorious. I want to go to sleep at night happy that I'm serving God. Wake up the next day. I'm ready to serve him again. Oh, I haven't even read a text yet, and I'm already preaching. Oh, y'all must be lovers of the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. We were, yesterday I was on that international uh, broadcast from here and the brothers, the ministry team was here helping me and uh, they, <laughs> they kept signaling me from the booth that the translators, had nine different translators around the world saying, too fast, too fast, too fast. And I kept trying to slow down, slow down. And it, well, I wasn't doing a good job of it. Amen. <clears throat> and I just said, well, you know, I'm I just said, I'm sorry. I said, but around here, we, we kind of have a high octane. We kind of have, we get excited over the word of God. Amen. Amen. We, we move quick here. So praise the Lord. Matthew chapter three. Let me get into this so we don't keep you all day. Amen. Matthew chapter three and verse one. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. <clears throat> let's, let's pray, and let's remember our sick and afflicted. Father, we're asking for your mercy right now as we've read your word, and we already feel your supercharged anointing here, Lord, and we're sending forth our faith while it's high, oh God. Our faith is reaching to you for Brother Bruce and Sister Linda, for my own Sister Lisa, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, may you condemn the work of those viruses, Lord. May they be fully recovered and that right quickly. Grant it, Lord, I pray. We thank you for the wonderful testimonies that we've heard, and we thank you, Lord. I... Oh, how I'm just still thanking you, Father, waking up at the wee hours of the morning. And the first thing I wanted to do was thank you and praise you. And I spent an hour and I, I couldn't stop thinking of things to thank you for and to praise you for, Lord. You're so wonderful to us. We glorify your name, Lord. We ask you to be with us now in the word of God. We are your servant. We're here humbly, Lord, to serve you and this people. We commit it to you, both speaker and hearer, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. <clears throat> oh, when you start thanking the Lord, you just, you, you, you just go on and on and on. 
And I, I had so many things I wanted to pray about and talk to the Lord about. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I just can't run out of things. To... I just kept thanking him. I'd think of another thing and I'd thank him. And I'd think of five more. And before I could get those five, I thought of 10 more. And I, and I, and I, and I probably got up at five and I probably didn't start praying on my stuff till after, sometime after six. Brother Jack, I just had so much to thank him for. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we have John coming forth here proclaiming the arrival of the Messiah, which would be a ministry of the Son of Man in his day. And you're going to see today, and I'm quite intentional in making parallels between the third and fourth Elijah, spirit comings of Elijah, because uh, the third and fourth particularly, because they foran the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus. So they're notable to us in history and in scripture and in prophecy because they are dispensational messengers, dispensational angels. And uh, this one, we find that Paul was the same way. He was setting up a dispensation and that's why God would have to send a prophet at the end time because you're gonna find as we go along and I'll make this statement again, perhaps, is that you're, you're going to need a prophet to interpret a prophet. And so that, that, there's where you have safety. There's where it goes beyond man's opinion. And when you're talking about prophecy, you, you can't have room for error. I just want to tell you, you should rejoice and be glad of what God did in this hour. Because when it comes to prophecy, we're talking about end of the world stuff. We're talking about extinction events. You can't afford to be left of center. You need to be spot on. And I'm glad that God sent a messenger with a message that was spot on. Amen. And makes the Bible live. And how God did it through an imperfect man to bring a perfect word, that's just God. How God uses imperfect preachers to perfect imperfect people, that's just God. I'm here to tell you, it is, it is the most magnificent thing in the world. And, and, uh, and, the, and the more that I see the humanity side of William Branham, the more encouraged I become. Because God could actually take a, a man like Elijah with his like passions like me, like me. And his ups and downs like me. Amen. And, and some days when he just felt supernatural and some days when he felt human like me. And yet still, that God is moving in the life and in the ministry. So, amen, it's just wonderful. So John is coming, proclaiming the arrival of the ministry of the Son of Man in his day, letting the, letting the whole world know that, um, that he was not coming as Isaiah. That was Isaiah's position. Isaiah comes to the, now he's a prophet like John. He's just as much authority as John. But now they have a different message about the same thing. Isaiah's prophet, Isaiah's prophecy is future. The Lord, a virgin shall conceive. Moses come on the scene in the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet among your brethren like me. And, and, and here Moses was saying, it's in the future. And Isaiah, that's all he can say, it's, it's in the future. And David fell under the, uh, the anointing of the Spirit. And as a prophetic songwriter, he, he would sing about future events of Messiah. And yet, but when John comes along, his message isn't about he shall come. His message is he's here. John's, John's ministry turned a corner. John's ministry now moved and, and brought all the Old Testament prophecies concerning Messiah, and there's a lot of them. 
a lot of them. And now here, God is going to take all of those hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that spoke about a coming Christ. And John is in one man. One man is going to step forward and say, now all of those voices are now old news. Sacred news. But past, it is the fulfillment of prophecy. It is the fulfillment. I, I, I regret using the term old news. It makes it sound cheapened. I, I'm only simply saying that, that just like in, in, in the Coronado Forest above Tucson, that, that his prophecy became history. Amen? It became fulfilled prophecy. And John was able to come out on the scene and let the whole world know he's not coming. He's here now. That's the message of the seventh seal. That's the message we proclaim to the world. That's our duty. If we're not proclaiming that, that message, then you're not in the message. Right. Amen. Amen. That is our message. The message of the seventh seal is not just doctrinal teaching. Amen. The message of the seventh seal, friends, is the unveiling of God. It's an event. The unsealing of the seven seals was an event. It was a, can I use this word? It was a happening. It set in motion. It wasn't, it wasn't you, know, you know, a theory, and it wasn't spiritual. It wasn't a metaphor. You understand, it wasn't a future prophecy. The, it, it set forth uh, something in motion. You say, what, what did it set in motion? It set in motion the rapture. The message of the seventh seal is that he is among you now in his word. This was John's message to the world. He's here. And, and therefore, once Elijah comes again, it shouldn't seem strange to you. Now, it does seem strange to the world. Just like it seems strange to them when John, the, those Pharisees said, what, who, Jesus of Nazareth? And people said, Nazareth, are you kidding? Can any even good thing come out of there? And others said, well, we already know he's not Messiah because the scripture says he'll be come from Bethlehem and not from Nazareth. And Jesus, fully well able to correct that, could have just simply, you know, said, well, actually, what you, what you don't know, there's a part of prophecy you're, you're not understanding that, that actually when I was a, a, an infant boy, you know, Herod tried to kill me and so an angel came to my, to my earthly father as it was my father Joseph and said, you better take him and flee. Why didn't God just kill Herod and the soldiers? Why did Christ have to move? Why did they have to pick up and move halfway to another nation? See, this is God's doing and it's glorious in our sight. Because the Bible had said, I will call my son out of Egypt. And it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilled just when Jacob had that happen in his life. But it had to be, I mean, in Joseph, it had to be, it had, Jacob and Joseph, it had to be Christ who was called out of Egypt. So he had to go to Egypt. And here you have all of these players and you've got a king and you've got an army and you've got soldiers, you've got dying, you've got babies being killed and you've got turmoil in the land. And the whole time, it's just God moving in prophecy. Amen. And people are stepping onto the world stage of history and they're either, their part is to play for the Christ or the Antichrist. 
and they play their part and they stepped off the stage of, of history. And, and that's what we were, we were talking about here last time. Where, where do you see your part? Because you're on the, the stage of history. I, I want to hear to play my part for Christ and the word. Because someday I'm going to pass off of, of the stage of history and I want to know I ran well. I want to know God got usage out of my life. Hallelujah. You might not get a lot of usage out of it. My family might not, but I want to make sure he gets a lot of usage out of me. Listen up, planet Earth. He's among you now. And say to the world, say, oh, they say, yeah, he's coming in a rapture. Say, the rapture's on. Wait, what? I thought planes fly off course and cars crash and people are, you know, half the world suddenly vanishes with no, no, he comes like a thief in the night. Thieves don't crash your cars and your planes. Thieves don't do that. Thieves sneak in, take your most valuable possessions and they're gone before you know they're gone. And God is going to come in and take the earth's most valuable possession and that's his bride. Can you believe that about you? Can you absorb that about you? That you are the most valuable possession. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what a failure you are or have been. And you might even be a legit failure. That doesn't matter. You're still God's most valuable asset. He's here in bride form. Oh, what does that even mean? means there's a people who have eaten the book and become the book. You may not always feel like that, friends. I get that, but it's been spoken. And I'm here to tell you the rapture is happening. I'm here to tell you it's not coming. The rapture is happening. Oh, it, 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 and it, God is doing more, as I've said to you so many times. I want to say it again today. God is doing and accomplishing more in you than you are aware of. The rapture is not just some story. The rapture is an event. It's unfolding now. A blast goes off in the West. The world still debating what it was, and they don't know. That that was one of the most egregious points that people kept trying to say. Oh, you know, he... Prophet was wrong. It was a rocket. Nobody, nobody in science knows. That's the bottom line. The only, re, the only scientific ever that reported on it was very thorough and concluded, and even in a second report, concluded we don't know. See? So it's, it's preposterous to suggest uh, that, that, that you, the work can say, oh, we know it was a rocket. We know it was this. And I say, I don't, I don't care what did it. Tell me what formed it into the profiled image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Looking at an earth. I mean, it's, you, you can't make that up. That can't be an accident. And it's already too high in an atmosphere to be clouds. And that science knows that. That's why they're baffled. But I'm here to tell you, a blast that went off in the West, it was a spiritual shockwave to the world. A spiritual shockwave to to the religions of the day. As we look back across the many instances of prophecy being fulfilled, the beauty that I love When I look at prophecy, and the reason I study it and teach on it a lot, is because that I can see that it's 
what God intended all along. And everything I see happening, everything I see fulfilled, I, I kind of take, you know, if you ever look at a mosaic, you can't be close up to it. Oh, it just looks like tiles, little tiles. If you're standing right up at it, even if you're standing within a few feet, it just looks like a collection of tiles. You have to back way up. You have to, especially if it's big. And when you back way up, you go, oh, wow. Boy, I didn't see that. That's a, it's an image, see? And so that's the advantage of an eagle anointing. We can fly high over the top of it. I can look down and I can fly high over the top of prophecy and I can see history and history and history and history and prophecy and prophecy and prophecy and prophecy. And, and I realize all this plan of redemption, whoever came up with it must be brilliant. Say, who came up with it? God. And it would have taken a God to come up with it because it, it literally accounts for everything. I'm here to tell you there's nothing that can happen in this world and nothing that can happen in your life that is not accounted for in God's word. He's literally thought of everything. Say, I got this problem. He's literally thought of everything. I got this hindrance. He's literally thought of everything. But you don't know how bad my case is. He's thought of everything. There's nothing escapes his notice. If he sees every sparrow that falls, how can he not see me? That's the beauty. This is what made John's ministry so glorious. The implications of John coming on the scene were mind-blowing. Because if, if John is who he says he is, then Messiah's present. And that, to those people of that day, you're talking about, oh my goodness, do you realize what this means? If Elijah has come, and he was to be the forerunner of his first coming, and he's the voice of one crying, and they, they, they got so, so excited that they even wondered, are you Messiah? Happens again in our day. See? Are you the one? Now, he's coming along with an incredible, interesting, incredibly interesting message. Baptism. This was unheard of. There, there are Old Testament types of it for cleansing and purification and everything had to be cleaned with water and things had to be, yeah, that, it's it, all the symbolism of baptism for purification is in play. But it was mind-blowing that this man comes out of the wilderness and he's suggesting, you know, the time of Old Testament sacrifice is coming to an end and Messiah is here. So now we can't just wash vessels. You can't just wash your clothes. See, if you touch an unclean thing, then you're ceremonially unclean and you've got to be washed and wait a certain amount of days. Before you can even come back into the presence of God. Now you've got a prophet coming and saying, Messiah's here. So now it's not going to be about works. It's not going to be legalism. It's not going to be denominationalism. It's not going to be man-made theory. It's not going to be pomp, pomp and circumstance. You're going to have to have your body, mind, and soul washed. You're going to have to be, as Jesus said, clean every whit. 
Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Then, you're ne- then you can't be a part of me. Then, Lord, my head and my hands also is not necessary. I assure you, you don't have to jump through rings of fire. The Holy Ghost will take care of everything you need. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, my. So what we see happening is God fulfilling his plan from Genesis down to the days of John the Baptist. And then he's fulfilling it again at his second advent. Brother Branham says it this way, and what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? I'm trying to click along here and bear in mind, I'm not gonna get done. I'm just laying foundation today. Prophet says, what shall I do with Jesus called the Christ? A sermon that one of my most memorable, and I know you've heard me say it before, but not everybody was here to hear me say it, and I wanna testify to it. This was one of the memorable memories I have with my dad who's gone on to his reward. And he had come and we were in a morning breakfast like we so often did. And, and he started talking about, it. he said, you know, I came through the house today, he started testifying to me and it didn't take Brother Eddie much to wind him up and he'd start testifying. And he said, you know, I walked through the house this morning and mom had a book laying there and he said, I just was walking through and he said, I just looked at that book and he said, I thought, oh, wow. And, and the, the title was, what shall I do with Jesus called Christ? And it froze him. Here's a man been a believer, you know, more than, more than half his life. Almost probably three quarters of his life. And suddenly he gets frozen by a title and he looks and he picks it up and he says, oh, my, what, what, shall, what shall I do? Now this isn't Pilate. This isn't anybody else. This is what shall I do with Jesus called the Christ? And that's a question we all have to ask here today. What shall I do? What, what are you doing? I think that, you know, what you're doing now is a fair forecast of what you might be doing tomorrow. And, and, if, and if, so if what you're doing is contrary to God's word, my advice to you is stop. Don't do that. Because that sows a seed and that'll grow a crop tomorrow. And I'm tired of growing wrong crops. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, let my whole life not be seeds of discrepancy, but let my whole life sow according to your word. So that when the crop comes in, it's glory, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Brother Branham says the dynamics of this church. Now the dynamics are the power, the operation, the manifestation. So we should be interested in it. I mean, unless you just like coming here as a social affair. You know, you can. I mean, wow, we got great singers. Best in the business. We got a band that could go on tour. We got friendly people. We treat you so many ways you're bound to like one of them. <laughs> we're humble and friendly. We're, we're Southern. We're hospitality. I mean, you can come here till the cows come home. As Brother Gerald Hughes says, till the cows come home and the calves cry for buttermilk. I have no idea what that means but I like saying it. And this can just be a nice social stop for you. You can do it for decades. And you'll, you'll benefit. You'll enjoy it. You'll come in. You'll go home feeling good. But you know, we're, we're, we believe that coming here should be more than that. There should be an investment. An investment and a willingness to invest your life. And to say, count me in. 
when the word comes forward to hear amens ripple across the building to see hands go up and wave, say, count me in. That's what I see when I'm preaching the word and I hear you say, amen. I see a hand wave up. I, that's, that's, that's you saying, count me in, count me in. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too, me too. It ought to have an effective change of our lives, not just affect us, but effect change in our lives. See? So the dynamics, we want to see the life of what we preached lived. We want to see the power that we believe we, we are entitled to operate. I, Brother, Brother Dale was commenting this morning behind the lesson that I taught. It's so good to hear his voice on the line. <laughs> I just thought all these people have no idea. As Brother Dale was sitting there, I always call him Dr. Smith as he was sitting there and I could just hear him talking and he just starts in his, in his, you know, cowboy way, you know, Brother Dale just starts out slow and, and just has, you know, gallops along. And the next thing you know, he's like dropping bombs and boom and boom and boom. And you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, it's been too long since I heard this guy. And, and he, he starts, he gets over there like nobody but Brother Dale can. And he starts talking about, you know, terror, terrifying the devil because in the millennium, Satan will be bound for a thousand years by a chain of circumstance because he won't have nobody to work through, right? And Brother Dale says, you realize that in, the, in redemption under the Holy Ghost, that you actually have the ability to terrorize him already. You already have the ability to resist him. You already have the ability that he can't work through you. You already have the ability to make him see what he's going to face for a thousand years. I'm here to tell you, when you resist him, you terrify him. I'm all for terrifying him today. Hallelujah. I'm going to get to the dynamics here in a minute. <laughs> the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Spirit that we have worked in a small measure. That's amazing. Yeah, While the headstone is coming down to unite with the body, that's what's going on. When I look at modern events in 2022, I can tell you we're closer now than we've ever been before. And I don't want to get into part two material but I, I want to start bringing, not that I want to come here and just be a news reporter. You can read the same headlines I read, but I want to correlate actual. You know, I want to give you some actionable intel by, by telling you what's actually happening that's meeting prophecy today. And the world is a sick place and is burning down. Flee it. Run for your lives. Young people, don't chase it. Whatever you do, don't chase this world. It's got no value here. Amen. We're looking for a new world to come. He says, what we've worked in a small measure while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. But when that head and body unites together, the full power of the Holy Ghost would raise her up just exactly like that even the dead that's dead in Christ for hundreds of years ago will rise, now catch this statement, in the beauty of holiness. So holiness is the standard till the day we leave. When the saints return, never before will holiness to the Lord be on greater display. I would like to think that when those saints, those martyred saints, 
who bled out, who were torn to shreds, whole families butchered together, burnt alive, fed to lions. I would like to believe that when the gospel that's dripping with the blood of the martyrs, when they come back among us, I'd hope that my holiness matches theirs. I hope that I'm not so soft and Laodicean and lazy and poisoned and my holiness is all over the map and I look like the world. I don't want to look like the world. I want to look like the word. I want them to recognize me as family by my holiness. It's the only kind going home. Without holiness, no man shall see God. That's as true today as it's ever been. If you choose to live carnal, there's no way. There's no way. If if that's your choice, then you could find yourself very easily left behind or God do whatever he has to do to you by whatever means necessary. And I'm not sure which one to tell you would be worse. I'm just going to tell you, surrender now and avoid either one. How about that for some advice today? Just surrender now and avoid either one of those. She will rise in the beauty of holiness and take a flight to the skies. The dynamics is the Holy Spirit. Now, when you go to Leviticus, and I, it's a lengthy chapter. Uh, Caleb, give me a Leviticus 11. And we'll only catch maybe four of these verses. I could read probably 20 of them, but we'll start at verse 24, Leviticus 11. Leviticus, I'm often calling the Gospels of the Old Testament because it's all about Christ. The whole thing is about Christ in the book of Leviticus. All of them are, but particularly because it's all the priesthood. Leviticus 11, 24 to 28. Now here's part of the labor that the the burdensome labor that they were under because they chose a law and for these now when it says and for these you shall be unclean he's going to go down a list of things that are going to make you unclean whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until even so now you even had priesthood who had to handle dead animals you had people who were under a Nazarite vow. And anybody could take a Nazarite vow, man, woman, boy, or girl, it didn't matter. It was just a time of dedication to the Lord. And, 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 and you could take a Nazarite vow when you don't, and in that time you can't touch anything unclean. And if even, if you're in a Nazarite vow and you're walking along minding your own business and you're maybe even at church yeah. and something unclean tips over and falls into you and, and you try to jump out of the way and it hits you in the leg, you're done. Get out. Your vow's broken. I didn't do anything. Your vow's broken. You know, you made a vow. You should have been more careful. I was just walking. Uh, You know, I didn't know the man was going to die and fall into me. (laughs) I didn't know the priest was going to drop something and was going to roll up and hit my foot. No, you're done. That was the rigor. That, That was the rigor of the Old Testament. This is why God gave it. Why do you think God gave in to that when they asked for it? Because it was not his way. That was not, that was not God's plan. That was not, that was, you know, we, we talk about the law of Moses. And, you know, and I, I think I taught on this here on my Bible study somewhere. I remember teaching on it recently. But when you go to Malachi 4 
And it says, remember the law of Moses. And people say, oh, see, it's Old Testament. No, no, no. That, that, the Sinai law, that was the people's choice. That was, Brother Ram said the most, and I know this is a really old word. Maybe Sister Jean could help me. But it's, I guess he meant irrational. Maybe his Kentucky English, he said, is the most rational thing they ever did, choosing a law over grace. When they had a prophet, they had a pillar of fire. They, 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 they had a brazen altar. They had everything. My goodness, what do you want with a law? See, because man wanted, he wanted to put something into it. He wanted to feel like, you know, he kind of wanted to put God in debt. I'll do these works and then you owe me. And the whole reason God agreed to it was just to prove to them they couldn't keep it. Okay. Okay. That's the way you want to roll? Okay, we'll roll that way. And so he gives them a, a law from Sinai. But that's not Moses' law. See, in, indirectly you can make that connection, but that's not, the, that's not the message of Moses. The message of Moses was in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet from among your brethren like me. Amen. The law of Moses spoke of the New Testament in the Holy Ghost and Christ coming. See, so, so, we, so we find here that, that he says, for these you shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the even. Verse 25, and as if that's not enough, whosoever beareth aught of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. Verse 26, the carcass of every beast, of every beast, which divideth the hoof and is not cloven-footed, nor cheweth the cud. My, the, the, you talking about rigorous. These details. If you made a mistake, just a technical error, you were in trouble. See? Are unclean unto you. Here's another one. You got enough? You feel hell? You feel weighted down enough? All right, we're not done. Everyone that toucheth them shall be unclean. Who, who's excluded? No one. Verse 27, whosoever goeth upon his poles among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean unto you. Whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean. Until when? Until the even. And he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. They are unclean unto you. Amen. Now, th this was the impossibility of successfully keeping all of this was actually juxtaposed or it was the polar opposite of how successful Jesus was. Amen. He was so successful. He, was, he lived every part of that. Amen. He was your total satisfaction, not just your atonement. He, because, he, because the atonement only speaks of his worthiness to be the sacrifice. But there also had to be somebody live the preceptive side of the law because it had to be line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I mean, everywhere had to be perfect. And so Jesus not only was the worthy sacrifice because he was virgin born and he wasn't, didn't have sin, but he also, as a human mortal man, as a human man, he lived the entire preceptive side of the law on my behalf because clearly I was was never going to be able to do it. Clearly, I was going to have my ups and downs. And even with the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be able to do it. But he did it for me. He's my total, both sides, my total satisfaction.
goes, this is the beauty of being a Christian today. See? And so, so we realize, so now John coming forward, you can see that concerning these dead carcasses, I was looking at some commentary from Matthew Henry and just so brilliant and I, I, I might refer to a, a few pieces of it here and, and, and kind of expound on it a bit. But we found that concerning these dead carcasses of all these unclean animals, everyone that touched them was to be unclean until the evening. The even, or we would say the evening. So it was, it was ceremonial uncleanness that they contracted, like you contract a virus or contract a disease. In the mind of God, they contracted ceremonial uncleanness for which the, 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 the time forbade them. They were even forbidden to come to church. You couldn't even come into the, into the tabernacle. You were cut off from fellowship with God. Even in, even in Old Testament symbology, cut off because only the high priest actually went in to the holy place because he represented all of Israel. Now today, we can all enter boldly. Amen? But back then, only one man went in in representation of us all. But even that, even you couldn't even partake of that because you were ceremonially unclean or to eat any of the, you couldn't come to church. You couldn't eat of any of the holy things. You couldn't partake of any of the holy rites. The, the unclean, but the beauty of it was that the uncleanness, once you're washed and you went through, and you went through those, those days of purification, you were clean until the evening because it was to symbolize that all pollutions, all ceremonial pollutions and every pollution of mankind would be rectified in the evening time. At the end of seven church ages, God would be having ability by the, by the dynamics of the Holy Ghost to do what? To make you holy and to make the church holy and to raise the saints in holiness. Because at the evening time of the seventh age, Christ in the evening time of the world so now you can understand why John comes with, with such confidence and so much promise and excitement. And in the wilderness, you know, John was without food. Here's some commentary that I'm going to refer to loosely from Wigglesworth because it was impressive to Smith and Wigglesworth how, the, Wigglesworth, how that John, he came without food and without any clothing from his earthly father. In other words, and Brother Branham picks up on that. Said, Brother Branham said, you know, you'd think that John, because his daddy was Zacharias, you'd think that John would have went into the ministry and joined the priesthood. And for some reason he didn't. And he's raised in a, godly homes. Zacharias and Elizabeth are godly people. Amen. They're true children of Abraham, but it's the system they're caught in. The system. The, the Jewish church had become a system of organized man-made creed. And, and so we find that that was never, that, that could never be the type of ministry that the Elijah ministry could have. Now you're seeing the parallel? Yeah. See? 
And so he had no clothing and no food of his father's priestly home. All John had was a groan and a cry. And that, that's the two words that I so keyed in on that Smith Wigglesworth, it, you could tell I would have loved to have been sitting talking to him about this subject as he wrote it in his, in his dedication. And he said all he had was a, a groan and a cry of the Spirit. And that's, that's the scripture. That he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness because he's rejected and he can't go the normal way. He can't operate in the normal priesthood of man-made religion. He's in the wilderness. He's got nothing, no food, no raiment from his father's priestly home. He's crying out in the wilderness. He's groaning. And it actually took John's place in the wilderness. You know, when, when, when he comes out and, and this cry, I mean, when John comes on the scene, it moves the whole land. The Bible says all Jerusalem and all Judea and, and even utter, uttermost parts, they all begin to come and hear. It was the cry of the Spirit and the, the whole countryside was moved by that piercing cry. Amen. Behold, the Lamb of God, repent, make way, get prepared. Prepare you the way of the Lord. This is even before Christ came on the scene. He's already piercing their consciences. Repent. Why? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You mean this one? This kingdom? Yes. You mean the one here that David is singing about? Yes. You mean the one Isaiah wrote about? Yes. You've got to be kidding. It's now? Yes. What do I do? Repent. Amen. Be cleaned. You've got, how do we do it? You've got to be baptized. Baptized. Why in the world I got to be baptized? Because the Old Testament Leviticus showed that you had to be clean. And now it's the evening time of Israel. Now she's ready to receive her kingdom. Now she's going to reject it. It's going to go to the Gentiles. And we're going to get the jubilee they were promised. And then we're going to go through seven ages. And at the end time, a prophet comes out and he can't be a part of the ecumenical system. He's screaming and crying and the whole world is affected by it. God spoke to John and told him about a new thing. This water baptism. It was clean cut. It was something... Clean cut from every other church. Amen. It was, it was a, a whole new way. And yet, while it was new, it was just the fulfillment of the old. Amen. It was everything the old had promised yes. now made manifest. Everything that the scripture, oh friends, do you realize that everything the scripture foretells in prophecy about the New Testament church, you're becoming it. You're literally becoming it. Everything that's been on the books for 2,000 years, it's now prophecy, it's now history, and you're standing. That's why it'll be the dynamics that'll take this bride off the earth. Why? Because she's been restored to cleanness. It's a new thing. It was breaking down the old plan. You can't, you're not going to be able to do it, John. We're not going to work within the system. You can't trust the system. Get out of it. Go into the wilderness. 
How will I survive? I'll take care of you. The people heard that cry. The churches heard that cry like today. It's interesting. Like today, they thought they were already believers. When John comes, comes out there and here comes all these priests and Sadducees and Pharisees standing on the bank, what's the attraction on the riverside? Repent. What do you mean, repent? How dare you? Who do you think you are? I indict this generation. What? You, you, you backwoods hillbilly? What do you mean? You, in, you, know how many doctor, you know how many years I went to school? And what they didn't realize, it was their schooling that was their hindrance. It was their theology degrees that they're so proud of. That was their hindrance. And here's a, here's a prophet in that day and this day saying to people who already thought they're believers, who already thought they're going to heaven, and a prophet is screaming and crying saying, the church can't go in the rapture and it can't get any better. What do we got to do? Flee it. Come out of it. Where do I go? Into the upper realms of the eagle anointing. Into the full word where there's liberty and the true baptism of the Holy Spirit. Imagine their shock to hear a vindicated prophet come with a message. Repent. To them, repent. As Brother Adam said, the most holy place, the most holy people in the most holy place took the most perfect man and gave him a sentence of the most horrible death. See? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Make straight paths for your feet. Startled. Awakened. That's almost not a word for it. Some some thought he was Messiah. They thought it in this day. There's such an excitement. Some thought he's Messiah. They said, oh, is this he? Who can this be? And John says, I am the voice crying. I'm crying, making a way. What am I doing? What's your cry about? What do you think think this ministry of Elijah is? I'm making a way for Messiah to come. That's why he came. That was the ministry of Elijah. He was not Jesus Christ. He was making a way for Christ to come. Hallelujah. Individuals were purged, weren't we? Those people along the bank came to the riverbank that day and they left purged. Did you leave purged? You came to this word and what happened? It purged you. What did you do? You found purpose. You found out you were an eagle. You found out you weren't of this world. Hallelujah. It was God pressing his life through John. Don't lose sight of that. God is pressing his life through John to the people, through him, through this ministry of Elijah. God moved multitudes and changed the whole situation. You see, God was finished with man-made religions. And he was finished with organizations. John's ministry was a modern event made clear in prophecy, you see. And so the banks of the Jordan now are covered with people and the conviction 
oh, the conviction is tremendous. They're, they're coming into the water screaming and crying, baptizing. I want to be ceremonial. They heard from a prophet say, you can fulfill the type. Oh, count me in. Here I come. Come on, honey. Come on, children. We're going into the token today. I've got a prophet on the scene who telling me I can, I can be the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Me. In my flesh, I can be the living word. Hallelujah. That's what God has done in this hour. Given you the ability to become the prophecy. Oh, I want to roll on the ground. I want to run. Hallelujah, friends. This is the hour we have arrived at. Conviction. So tremendous. And now the people cried out. Now the people are crying out. Oh, just like today, eagles who could, who said, I can't take the barnyard scene anymore. I'm done with a barnyard gospel. I want to soar in the heavenly. Oh, hallelujah. The prophet Isaiah had predicted that the rough ways will be made smooth. Brother Branham picks that up and, and says, you know, it, it looked like a failed promise because the, the mountains didn't all go to plains and the rough desert didn't all become a smooth highway. But that's what the prophecy, I guess Isaiah was a false prophet. He had to be, right? Oh, nobody, no, you don't get to change the wording. You said... You are supposed to be a prophet of God. You said all the mountains would be made flat and all the valleys would be made plain and all the rough places would be made smooth. But you know what? I remember what I told you at the beginning. It takes a prophet to translate a prophet. And a prophet in this day goes all the way back to John, goes all the way back to Isaiah and says, you see, that never happened because what he's saying was going to be what happened to men's souls. Oh, he was going to smooth out all the sins, all the deficits, all the problems in my life. He was going to, he was going to take down mountains and lift me up where I needed lifted up. He was going to make straight. He's going to make my life smooth. Say, my life's pretty rough, but not your soul. My soul believes God every day. It doesn't matter. I'm up one day, down another, but my soul is steady. The world is falling apart, but my soul is on a steady highway. I'm marching to Zion. I believe God, but you got troubles, but I believe God. But you got trials, but I believe God. This is happening, that's happening, but I believe God. Hallelujah. This is what the ministry of Elijah came to do. Came to give you a perfect faith that cannot be moved by circumstances of life. Oh my. These are the things. This is why. Now, the clue was right there in the very next verse. And all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. Luke 3, 6. So there, there's a prophet is saying, see, it had nothing to do. Brother Brandon was showing that this was, a, this was a, a key clue. See, it was never going to be, you know, it was never going to be geological changes to the topography of Judea. That was never what it was going to be. It wasn't going to be build a new church, build a new hospital, build a new this. It, it had nothing to do with that. It was never, never going to be that. And, it and so it took a prophet to 
comes to prophecy, you can't be wrong. You gotta be sure, very sure, your soul is hanging on it, your family's hanging on it, your whole life is hanging on it. I had to be sure that this was the truth. I couldn't take a man-made idea anymore. Not anymore. We're done with man-made ideas. I got a vindicated message. Hallelujah. Bible says John came neither eating nor drinking. Matthew 11. John came neither eating nor drinking. He came crying. John's father and mother are left behind? Sure. Because his heart bled for the altar. His heart bled for what he's seen families had become. His heart bled for what he could see that churches had become. Supposed to be a place of holiness under the Lord. Supposed to be a place of the dynamic power of God to change lives. Not, not fill your bank account full of more zeros. Not so you can name and claim some nonsense for your life. Not so you could just have a, a psychological experience. That's not why it came. John, John's heart was bleeding for the altar. He, he seen what happened to his fellow man. He seen what happened to the churches. He bore the burden of the cry and that cry welled up within him. And the only place John could breathe free was the wilderness. It's the only place this prophet, Brother Branham, had to flee his home. He had to flee his home and go west as a young man. This was even before, even before he became a Christian. Because he saw the, he saw the immorality of his own family. He saw the immorality right there in his own parents and his own home and the, and the church. And, and he, he just had to run away from it and flee to the wilderness. And, and he, he had to stay there until God, until the Holy Ghost changed his whole life and filled him with the Spirit. And then what did he do? He comes out of the wilderness with a message to declare the preparation of God's people. That's what this message has given us to prepare, to change the hearts of the people. Amen. Behold, I'll send you Elijah and he shall turn the heart, see? Because, because, look at, look at John. Look at the, the Old Testament had prophesied Messiah. So why don't John just come out and go, he's here. Okay, wait's over. Nothing to do. What do we do? It's okay, he's here. You don't need to do anything. He'll take it. No. No. Before Jesus came, repentance came. Amen. To do what? Prepare the way. John comes along before Jesus comes. Elijah comes declaring repentance. It has to come to repentance to open up the place of redemption. Without repentance, without a new birth, you have no access to redemption. You understand? You could be in a church, it wouldn't matter. You have a history of being in a church, it wouldn't matter. You have to be born again. I was just reading this morning on my Bible study, on, on my uh, internet uh, Bible study, and, and I was showing them a quote where Brother Brandon says, it doesn't matter how much you go to church or how religious or how, how good you are. 
How much good you do? He said, you'll never get to heaven unless you're born again. You have to be born again. So before the coming, that's why before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, repentance comes to the world to do what? Open up a place of redemption for the bride. What is redemption, Brother Jason? It's God's only provided place of worship. It's God's only provided place of fellowship. Not just any fellowship. It can't be just any fellowship because it's got to be fellowship of the mystery. And the mystery's a person. And the person is Christ. And Christ is his word. It's fellowship with the living word of this hour. How do blind people not see that? They try to say we're making something different. We're not doing nothing but showing what prophecy said it would always be. You have to have fellowship with the person of Christ who is his word. So only in his word, only when you have fellowship with the living word of the hour. I'm gonna say it again. Only when you have fellowship with the living word of the hour do you have redemption. You cannot have redemption outside of fellowship with the living word. Hallelujah. And how do you get to the fellowship? Repent. Be cleaned by the Holy Spirit. Now the rapture can come. Now there's a manifestation of people that can bring back the saints of the ages. How many want to join me today? Say, I want to be part of that group that brings back the saints of the ages, a part of those people. I want to tell you something. You hear me? A part of that group is sitting in this building today, right now. I'm looking at you. You're literally a part of redemption. Your perfection, your faith is what raises the Old Testament saints from 2,000 years. Just like John, like John, like William Branham, there must be a working of the Spirit in you. Then God can work through you for others. Like John, like William Branham, like Elijah, like Elijah, the Holy Spirit must work through you to others. And the only way that happens is when you're cleaned by the washing of the water of the word. How many agree? You agree, stand to your feet, say, Lord, ever give me this water. That's what she said to Jesus at the well. Lord, ever give me this water that I not thirst again. I'll give you water. You'll never thirst again. You'll never have to come here again. Oh, give me this water that I never thirst again. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word in this hour. Thank you for your anointing to preach it, Lord, as I, as I felt in my heart, Lord, as you were giving it to me. Oh, Lamb of God, how beautiful are your ways, Lord. They're past finding out. I, I confess, Lord God, just as a mortal man, I stand here before you with perfect gratitude. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these people. I thank you, Lord, for this revealed word. I thank you for the revelation. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that moves among us. I thank you for people who are believers who want to be part of that manifestation. And most of all, 
dear God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for him. I thank you for that day on Calvary. I thank you what it released to me, oh God. Every potential is mine. All I have to do is submit myself to every word of God. Let the Holy Spirit come in and take over my life. Oh, as we learned in our Sunday school class, and, our, and, and Lord, it's not, not him that willeth or him that runneth. It's God that shows mercy. With your heads bowed today, I can't dismiss without offering an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, Pastor Jason, I've never heard it quite like that. And it set up something inside me that causes me, maybe, maybe I've preached it like that. Maybe the Holy Spirit never quickened it to you like that. And you'd say, today, I have a new, deeper desire for more of God in my life. You want to raise up your hand to the Lord? Look at those honest hearts. My. Say, Lord God, this word that I heard today needs to be more real to me. I'm here to tell you something, friends. I'll put both of mine up. I want to say with one and all, I need it more too. We all need it. I was saying to the Lord this morning, oh God, how we need every, every promise in the book, Lord, to be made manifest in our lives. It takes humility. It takes people who are willing to repent and say, I'm wrong. And I've been wrong, but I don't want to be wrong anymore. I want to have the living realities that I've heard about today. Anybody else? Anybody else want to raise a hand that didn't already? Anybody else say, I want more of him. I want more of this reality that I've heard about today. I'm going to pray for you. I'll give you a final chance. Anybody else? Hands went up everywhere. Might there be one or two more? Oh, God. Father, I love you for your word. We love you for the realities of the living God. We love you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in some barnyard religion. You didn't leave us in some man-made theory. You sent a prophet from the wilderness, and his message to me was, repent. How anybody could be against that kind of ministry, I know not. A humble ministry like John that comes out of the wilderness that wouldn't have anything to do with man-made systems that forsook it all. And his one humble message was, turn to Christ. Come back to Christ. Come back to the word. He said it over and over and over and over and over and over and hundreds and perhaps thousands of times. Repent, turn to God, come back. Come back to the word. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the ministry of Elijah that stomped out of the wilderness and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I thank you for that Elijah that came out of the wilderness and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I thank you for the Elijah of your first coming and for the Elijah of your second coming because it told me, come away from the world and come into Christ. Come into fellowship of redemption. Come into this prepared place. What's my preparation? Repent. That's it. That's it. But it, it's got to be completely. It's got to be entirely. It can't be a half. It can't be a social repentance. It's got to be a full repentance. I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be him. 
I give my whole life. I give my whole mind. I give my everything to him. All my purposes are given to the word of this hour now. Take me, Lord, and use me. That's a real humble heart. That's real humility. Real humility, friends. Go home today and remember this. If you don't remember anything else, real humility is to believe every word of God. That's real humility. Real humility, Lord, is not walking around with our head at our, staring at our toes, speaking in low tones, dressing in poor clothing. That's not humility. That's just man-made works. Real humility is saying amen to every word for my life. That's the real humility we're looking for today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We believe you today, Lord. You saw the hands that went up now, Lord God. I'm committing them into your hands, not only this visible audience, but across the airwaves today, tomorrow, whenever they may be sitting there listening. We commit it to you now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's sing this song, this old stanza of the church, Touching Jesus. Touching Jesus. That's all that matters. Is all that matters. That's all that really matters, friends. Then your life will never be never be the same. There's only one way. You must believe when you call. Oh, that's beautiful. Lift it up now. Come on. Raise up those hands and use those lungs. Touching Jesus. Touching Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful. My goodness. Oh, sing it, Bethel Tabernacle. Sing it, sing it. Oh, wow. What a melody. Listen to those voices, Lord. Listen to them. They believe you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you must believe when you call on his name. One more time, one more time. Touching Jesus. Touching Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord God. Then your life will never be the same. Only one way. Amen. God bless you as you worship, friends. Just believe. God bless you. When you call on We'll see you at four o'clock. Four o'clock. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. In your life will never be the same. Just believe when you call.
call on his name. Oh, touching Jesus. May your life never be the same. Just believe when you call on his name.